Hey, welcome back to That's Helpful with me, Ed Stott. Now, practicing mindfulness is hard. If you've ever sat down and tried to meditate or been to a yoga class only to walk out sore and grumpy, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there are real benefits to practicing your own mindfulness. The good news is that there are some fun, simple, creative ways to incorporate it into your day that don't involve getting back ape and hanging upside down. To understand why mindfulness is so powerful and what's going on in our brains when we practice it, plus build a mindfulness practice that is very sustainable and enjoyable, I've called in the help of a neuroscientist who works with some of the country's most successful sport teams and has even had his work featured by Oprah. Yeah, I've gone straight to the top for this one. Dr. Stan Rodsky is the author of The Neuroscience of Mindfulness. Stan, you're a cognitive neuroscientist. What does that mean? Yes, thanks uh, for having me on, Ed. And cognitive, the best way that I can tell you what that means is to perhaps give it a bit of a a different context. I would liken it to being a plumber and an (laughs) electrician of the brain. So I'm really someone who gets involved in all of the fluids, all of the electricity, all of the pipes, all of the taps that open and close either consciously or unconsciously to ensure our brain continues to operate. And so a lot of what we know about the brain and how it operates is quite new because of the advances in technologies. One of the big things that we only really discovered relatively recently, I say we like I had anything to do with it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or very clever people recently discovered, is the mind-body connection and the the fact that that is a true thing. Can you explain what the mind-body connection is and how we know that that is a real thing? Yes, so I I can remember, look, and this is ageing me, but 40 years ago, just in terms of firstly where you started there, the brain, look, it was 10% known when 40 years ago. I don't think it's changed. I think it's still only 10% known, but it's a different 10%. And some of that has got more understandable and a lot of that has become different all along. So So we haven't actually change the percentage that much so I did, so that was my 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 first point about the brain it, it it you know no sooner do we get a handle on it i wouldn't mind another 40 years to see where we might be by then um but but the reality of it is we discover things as we go and and it's in those discoveries we come to the mind body connection mm. because again 40 years ago when meditation first started, when before the mindfulness movement, but there was meditation, and meditation was the world of the the yogis and the guru, the, the people in these odd sciences that were coming out of Eastern cultures. Um, but the reality of it was, and I talk about this in that book, is that we could see it was having an effect but we didn't have the basis on which we could say the reason for that effect. And it seemed pretty obvious, causally speaking, because for scientists, we talk causal, what causes what. We couldn't actually establish that. And as a very young psychologist and a neuroscientist, you could see 
the causal, but you were being science dictated and you'd, you'd yeah. have to say, oh, you know, it could be the case that it's just totally placebo. It's totally in the mind. It has nothing to do with the body. But the reality of it is that that changed probably in the mid-90s. And it, and it changed with a number of technologies that were occurring and I was involved in in the, in the, in the 90s, which, again, we're now talking 30 years ago, so we really progressed on my timeline. But, but in that time, we started to get some information which would allow us to say there is a connection between the mind and the body, that doing things that create a meditation do have an effect physically, but how to prove it. And, and all of my colleagues who went into neurosurgery or neuromedicine would always say to me, well, Stan, one day when you can actually prove the connection, then we'll talk. <laughs> and then it happened. And the connection, the connection was in fact around cortisol and the discovery that having cortisol in the brain for too long would eventually lead to the development of a protein. And those proteins could develop in your heart or your, or your brain, cause blockages and lead to heart attacks, to aneurysms, etc. The question then became, so where did the cortisol come from? Why did the cortisol go so high? And the answer there was now into this mind-body connection because the next discovery was a thing called heart rate variation. That is, you and I are sitting here right now and anyone listening to us has a heart rate. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yep. And that heart rate, let's just say that, um, you know, you've now settled down from the excitement of meeting me so you can see denial is part of my, my, my <laughs> psychological process. But, but let's just say that you've now settled down to a lovely 60 beats per minute. You, you look like you might be fit and and healthy and 60 beats per minute. But the discovery there was that 60 beats per minute isn't always 60 beats per minute. Okay. That is, you can have between, between 60 beats, but they may not beat equally distantly. In other words, you can have beat, 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 beat all the way through for 60. But you can also get 60 by having a really fast couple of beats, then some very slow beats, fast beats again, slow beats again, they'll add up to 60. But they were very different. One of them went beep, 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 equidistant all the way through for 60. And the other one went beep, beep, bat, gap, gap, beep, 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 gap, gap, gap. Right. That was called a heart rate variation. And guess what? When, in fact, you have that beep, 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 beep all the way through, the brain is actually communicating through the heart, the blood supply. It's actually giving the message to the brain, and this was shown in ECGs and EEGs, electrocardiographs and electroencephalographs, that this actually happened, that when we get tense, the heart rate variation actually becomes very minimal in any any differences between the beats and causes the cortisol to flow. 
Right. And when the cortisol flows, then, in fact, um, the, the hot, and if it stays in there too long, we develop these proteins and we have all of the health consequences that you can think of. And if you look at it the other way, so why would meditation work? Why would mindfulness work? Mm -hmm. it's, it's the other way. As we relax, it goes away from that equidistant beat and has, which has no variation, to variation. And when we have variation, the brain's signaling that we can relax. It then starts releasing all of the relaxation um, hormones and sends the messages to the body to actually to, to disengage, and to, which occurs when we meditate mm -hmm. and when we practice um, in, in this new world of mindfulness of being in the moment, just not letting the world come at you and disturb your world. And that was the proof of the mind-body connection. So interesting. It's and that happened in the 90s. And then we had to have the technology to measure the heart rate variation. So eventually, you know, we, we, we got, um, you know, we were able to sort of write the sort of software that would allow us to measure these things and we can now do that. Um, um, quite easily. And in fact, people will wear now bands, yeah. you know, watches. You will see there's not only heart rate there, but there's heart rate variation. Mm. And the heart rate variation is actually monitoring the thing that my newest book, which is the Neuroscience of Excellent Sleep, that one actually focuses very much on sleep. And, and it focuses on just how important uh, mindfulness is to sleep and, and, and all of this process that goes on. But there you go. There, there's a little bit of Science 101. One, so one of the uh, angles that most people will be coming at this from, I want to get into how we can practice mindfulness and how we can make this um, a, you know, achievable part of our lives. But one of the ways that people will primarily be coming at this from is from this common modern state of permanent stress. And, you know, some people call it burnout. Some people call it, you know, anxiety, which I know is a completely different condition. But, you know, this general sense of not being able to relax and not being calm. And I know that's what mindfulness helps us with. But what's going on in our brains when we feel burnt out and when we feel this dissonance that we can't relax even when we should be able to? Yeah, so, so it's literally unconsciously remaining in a state of fear, mm. heightened awareness. It's, it's thinking something is going to happen. It's not conscious. You could say to yourself, look, stop worrying about it. Mm. But, but, but your unconscious system isn't interested in that. It, it, it's actually always, always looking for anything which is going to disturb it, but not for a judgmental reason. It does it for energy reasons. Disturbance means it's going to draw more energy, which means that it's at risk. And, and it's only trying to keep the energy, and your brain uses the most energy of any organ in your body, mm. and it's trying to make sure that everything is not disturbed. It's in routine. It's in habitual thinking. It's, it's doing all the things it needs to do. And if it perceives that there is an energy outflow, it will try to remove it. And, and it try, you know, not 
judgmentally. It's just a pure live and die. It, it, it wants to, to just maintain your energy level. So, so what it will do then is put you into an almost a, 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 a gear on your car, which is sort of revving too much. But it's just, it's thinking, if I keep you there, I'll be able to have enough energy to deal with whatever calamity might be about to happen because it's got to do that to survive. And so so you have this world in which it then maintains the cortisol. It then builds up the, the proteins because it's supposed to then drive in the dopamine. So you get the cortisol up. Um, and then it brings the dopamine in to bring you back into, and this is the whole point of the exercise, homeostasis, balance. I like bringing in nice Latin words. It makes me feel more doctoral if I use at least a Latin <laughs> word. Makes you sound more doctoral. Don't you think? You know, as soon as <laughs> yeah. I use it. Uh, uh, it's working. Nice, yeah, look, immediately, you know, there, there it is, homeostasis. And our whole system, as long as it can keep us in homeostasis, its energy flows, and I'm, and I'm not talking energy in some spiritual, I'm just meaning pure energy in our system, the system that drives the neurons, that spark it up. You know, it's, it, it's simply oxygen combined, you know, it, combining itself with, with the food which has released the proteins, which is letting everything happen here. It's a very basic science in a very complicated way, trying to keep us in balance. So... So the unfortunate part is that we become a little bit like that tree you see on a, on a hillside, on a windswept um, uh, Moors Hill. How's that? I'm moving into the British sort of scene. I like it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> now, now, once it, was, it grew straight, just like we do. But, you know, over time, the wind continues to push it and it learns not to bounce right back because there's no point. It just continues to be pushed over. It lives. It stays there. Um, and that's its, if you like, its new homeostasis point. You know, it's, it doesn't bounce right back. It just bounces halfway back. And then it doesn't bounce hardly at all until the wind passes over it. And that's the same as your issue that you just said around stress. How is it that we, you know, we live with it, how, that the body takes it in and works with it? It's exactly that reason. It, it just yeah. bends with it. And most of us then carry it. And the problem with that tree that's bent right over is it doesn't take much to fall. Eventually yeah. something else gives. The roots, <laughs> you know, it, it, something gives. And that's what happens to us humans mm. in that process. And, 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 and we, in fact, need to, in fact, understand that. You know, and that's where mindfulness, that sort of process, where we can actually give ourselves a break. We may be bent over. You know, we may have to have dealt, you know, with the big winds of change and problems in our life. No one's, take, no one's saying they have to disappear. It would be lovely if they did, but they won't. So mindfulness is one of the things that can help us bring back this homeostasis in our brain and finally find that relaxation. But we hear a lot about mindfulness and it seems like this elusive thing. You know, most of us have tried to sit down and meditate, like I said, and it's really damn hard to stay focused in it. But what is mindfulness actually? What's your definition of mindfulness? 
Yeah, so mindfulness is being in that moment, being present, being, being, having nothing else coming into, into your focus. It, it, it's, it, it's really you have nothing else on your mind. Mm. Yeah, which is incredibly difficult. Remember, yeah. you know, we, we, we take something in every seven seconds. Yeah. We're just above goldfish, six seconds Jeez. before we're interrupted by a thought. Yeah? yeah. Seven seconds. When I first did this 40 years ago, it was the, the famous goldfish was measured at still at six seconds and we we're at 14 seconds. So the world is changed on us so so mindfulness is just imagine it's it's taking away all of the clutter all of the things that are aggravating the energy system in our brain that are saying be prepared be prepared this is saying you can be prepared you know you can you can actually just get yourself back into the zone get back in there because if you're trying to deal with things and you're already close to the ground you're going to fail mm. Mindfulness brings you back into the middle. So when the, the next wind hits, if I continue to run the metaphor of the tree, when the next wind comes, we won't, we won't bend quite so far. Yeah. You know, and, we'll, and more importantly, we'll bounce back yeah. as part of the process. But I totally agree with you about the, how difficult it is for most people. And that's why... You know, I developed up the technology, the, the sound science technology, which you can see on my site. Um, and that's to help people because when you go into that meditative state and, and into that mindfulness state, you've got to change your brain waves. You've got to go from being active into alpha and, and, and right, right down into theta waves when we fall asleep. But we can use technology to help us do that. Mm. You know, we, we, we can actually, um, because... I've got to say, over 40 years of helping people do this, some get it and most don't. Yeah. Most of my, my patients while I was working at, you know, in clinical neuropsych, uh, I would, you know, they would go away filled with it and I'd be, yeah, and they'd come back, oh, I was trying it and I couldn't do it and, and I lost my, you know, I start thinking of things and I get it. You know, we're not all built as yogis and, 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 and some sort of um, um, sort of, cult that might be sort of working in this area and I've got to join all of them to get in here. We don't have to do that. We can use, and that's where the, the books came in. Yeah. The first thing that I used were the books because I discovered with one of my patients how, how when I had them hooked up to the ECG and they started colouring, their, remember, HRV, heart rate variation, suddenly, suddenly shifted them into homeostasis. And I thought, well, that's fascinating. And so I put together these brain-based colouring books, um, which were about that. You know, if I'm, if I'm, some people just need to do something. It's, it's the middle of the day, or it's first thing in the morning, or it's late at night. And yes, I want to go to sleep, but I'm not going to close my eyes. I don't want to close my eyes. But if I can give you something to do, and colouring, staying between the lines, you know, even though colouring was built to help us learn to write. You know, get hand-eye coordination. That's why we do it. So, you know, the kids would do it all over the page, but eventually you'd say, now bring it in between the lines, okay, and now let's do some letters, and so off it would go. But, we, but it has an amazing relaxing effect because at the end of the day with the images we use, or I, I developed up, they're not about anything, so they're not competitive. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're, and, but they are creative, which the brain loves. 
because when you start getting combinations of colours, you get patterns. And guess what the brain loves? Patterns. Patterns. Because why does it love a pattern? Because it's its basic energy source for maintenance energy. Because if it gets a pattern, it gets a habit. If it gets a habit, it gets minimal use of energy to do something. I love it. So it loves it. Yeah, and it's so it interesting because I'm not I'm not someone who can sit there and you know, you know, even when I'm listening to something, I find that if I'm doing something like that, it can help me listen better too. And one of the things that I've started doing recently is cross stitch because it's super repetitive. Yes. Yes. yes, I talk about that in the mindfulness book. Yeah. Lots of these things used to be done by us. Yeah. You know, but we now no longer do them because we don't have the time for them or we have people doing them for us. You know, gardeners coming in. Is there anything more relaxing than, than losing yourself in the garden? Yeah. And yet now we don't have the time, so we bring someone else in to do it. Yeah. And we've lost another opportunity for just being lost in the moment, thinking about what I'm doing right now with that weed or that plant or trying to do something. All of these things can lead to that and the and the coloring was a great example of that and 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 we still sell those books worldwide worldwide um um there and and they are so useful in fact um uh when it comes to parkinson's coloring in is the number one therapeutic technique to help people with parkinson's now against everything else available in the market for them including drugs, Wow! colouring in is now the most effective tool to help those people deal with Parkinson's. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It strikes me that it's, um, you know, when we're doing, when we're practicing mindfulness, it's almost like we're then able to communicate with the side of our brain that we want to just say, calm down. Through doing this practice, that says to our brain, you're good. You know, we're in this calm, repetitive state, and mm. we're, we're able to speak to the parts of our brain that are, don't understand words. Telling yourself never works. You tell yourself to stop <laughs> stop angsting over something and see how well you go. I've done it. Okay? It doesn't work. You've got to do something and you, and you just tell yourself, see how you go. Yeah. You know, your brain immediately reacts to it as there's something here to worry about. Yeah. And up goes your cortisol, um, uh, the adrenaline, followed by the cortisol, and it, it limits the dopamine to relax you again. It keeps you there mm. and, and, and creates that sort of sick cycle because once once it stays there, you know, cortisol is not good mm. if it stays in your system. It's meant to be there to save you. It's, it goes in to get you into action. It fills your your muscles and your body with blood, oxygenated blood to keep you going. Yeah. Um, but it's meant to come off. Yes. You know, it's meant to let the dopamine come in, let all of the happy juices flow through your body to relax you. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't happen... Then it just, co- you know, back to cognitive neuroscientists, the pipes get stuffed. Mm. They get they get clogged. The taps aren't working in unison. Everything starts to go off kilter. And that's a, that's a real problem. And and the reality of this is that we've, moved, we've even moved on. So we use colour and we use sound. So, so I'm now yeah, speaking so tell me about quite frequently and lecturing with the um, um, integrative medicine 
um, um, Institute here in Australia. I'll be doing a keynote. And we're combining not only the colouring, but the sound as well. So you can actually have the bineural beats going into each ear, which I've developed myself. But I've developed three levels. So a level which allows you to fall asleep, a level to, to stay asleep if you're waking up through the night, and a level that if you're currently having both that you can use. And it's incredibly effective because what we've discovered is that using this, you, we can actually increase the melatonin, which you need to sleep, to relax as well, but to sleep in particular, we can increase that by 73% using this technique. You don't need a milligram of melatonin at the beginning. You just need to listen to this and just do a little bit of colouring as well and you get a double effect. What kind of sounds is it? What kind of sounds invoke that reaction? So, so, so it's not music. No, it's a beat. It's a, it, and what happens is in this ear goes, let's say, just for example... Yeah. 300 hertz of sound and in this ear 310 hertz the brain actually interprets that into a 10 um, um, millisecond um, wave which is equivalent to an alpha wave and an alpha wave is equivalent to being in pre-sleep or being relaxed, wow. or what happens when you meditate. That's so cool. So the brain interprets these two different sounds as a brain wave, and that makes it makes the brain relax. Yeah, the two sides get it at a different level, and that and it and it has to interpret the difference in the two, and it converts that into a brain wave of ten. So we can so we can reduce that, or we can increase it. And there's certain levels to which you can increase it. But if you increase it, then you can also get um, stimulation. So not only relaxation at one end, you can get stimulation at the other. I'm presenting those results where we've increased the, the, the melatonin um, this year at the, the, with the Integrative Medicine um, Society. So, so it's um, quite a big deal. Wow, that's so cool. How interesting. So one of the other things that you talk about in the book and you recommend um, that we do throughout the day to take like small doses of mindfulness throughout the day is micro breaks. What are they and how can we incorporate them. Yes. So again, think think of yourself as through the through the day you're building up those cortisol levels. Yeah. Yep. So you because you you know here you are talking to me you know and there'll be another event somewhere in the day. Um, and what 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 we discovered was that if we have micro breaks where we actually we can change our heart rate variation ourselves by simply changing our breathing. So so right now you could actually. Um, sharply breathe in and then slowly breathe out through the mouth out in through the nose and then slowly out through the mouth it's got to be longer it's got to be longer than the breath in and one last one quick breath in and then a long breath out now no matter what you're doing during the day, if you do that twice, so let's just say you, you, you ping a time, 11 o'clock in the morning and maybe 3 o'clock in the afternoon, whenever it might, or when you actually need it, you do that. Mm. You've actually just created a heart rate variation because when you breathe in, it was quick and sharp. Yeah. That's, that's the sympathetic system. That's the cortisol. When you breathe out, you actually engage the dopamine system the parasympathetic system. You've actually created 
manually a heart rate variation. Mm. You're, you're, you, you've now broken into your heartbeat and actually created those you know, racing and slowing down and slowing down and racing in between each of those beats. And that causes you to actually feel incredibly relaxed, ready to actually then jump into what you're doing. You know, it isn't as if you're going to go into some sort of meditative state and become <laughs> someone who's blindly, you know, sort of drifting <laughs> off as if you've, got, you've taken some substance. You, you'll literally come back, but you've allowed your system to come back to homeostasis. Mm. And from there it can jump again. They are back into it. Yeah. The issue for us is not that we actually go out there, that we get the you know the sympathetic system goes and we get the and, and we get all of the the um, drugs that are naturally flowing into our system. It's that we have to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's the issue. Coming back. Mm. Yeah. It makes um, perfect and that's our resi- that's our brain's re- resilience system. Yeah. Which which is another another chat. <laughs> And so one of the other things that you talk about for mindfulness is incorporating into our day and even things like showering, just being there when we're doing that. Yes, yes. So, so you know how you can often be quite creative in the shower because sensory-wise, um, it's just a, it's so tactile mm. and, and, the, and, the, and the warmth of the water actually creates that, 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 that sensory process which... which Disengages all of the all of the cortisol and and the sympathetic system. It actually engages the parasympathetic and actually allows the and it's a and it's very close to the first hour and a half of when we fall asleep. Mm. It's a very and that's the hour and a half in which we have our creative moments while we sleep. And so a lot of, like we've touched on before, a lot of people do find it hard to stick to these practices, to consistently be mindful. What's your advice to them in terms of finding something that works and being able to, you know, make a sustainable mindful practice? Yeah, look, and, and, that's, uh, and that is an entrainment process. It's a, it's a matter of fitting something in where it, where it can be easily um, remembered to do because remember the, the reason we don't go on with things is because the brain just sees it as a waste of energy yes you know it, it, it's not that important to it so it'll it'll help you forget yeah yeah because it's got other things that are more important it's non-judgmental you know it's not judging you it's merely looking at your energy level and how to maintain it so that you can get through the rest of your day um, until it actually falls back to sleep to be used in a different way. And so, so the only thing I can suggest to people is that um, is to find a time now and, and then find a time based on some routine that works for them. Mm. And, and, and having found a time, then don't force yourself to do If you can't close your eyes and remove the stuff, then use the colouring. Yeah. And if you and if you even then you really need to 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 get more from it, then you can use the colouring with the sound. Yeah. You know, we, we, we can use technology, we can use these ideas to help us at it. Because who wants to meditate as soon as they've woken up? Yeah. Lot of people do. I'd fall back but to a lot a lot more people can't, I can assure you. <laughs> I, I I can assure you they can't. But they might they might be able to sort of pop on the earphones. Put that sound at very low. It doesn't need to be high. It just just needs to be heard by the brain and get about your business for the morning, you know. 
for the next half hour if you had 30 minutes of energy stuff or relaxation stuff. Wow. Because sleep doesn't equate to relaxation. You know, yeah, yeah you know, no. You might be right back to where you started. Yeah, and so, one, you know, like with things like uh, like the knitting or the cross-stitch or even the colouring, a lot of people will do that when they're doing other things like listening to music, listening to a podcast, watching the sure, TV. Sure, it Does that still sure. work? Yes, absolutely. Remember, what we're trying to do is get the brain into a homeostatic state. Yeah. We're trying to get it balanced yeah. between between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic system, you know, which is part of the autonomic nervous system, which is part of the central nervous system, which is part of the brain. Yeah. So 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 it's it, it it's it's really a very mind brain body scenario. Yeah. Is there any other techniques that we can um, really take advantage of to, you know, bring mindfulness into our lives? Look, I talk about a lot of those in, in, in the book. And, and, and one of the things that I think is using, making sure that we're busy during daylight mm. is incredibly important. It doesn't mean you know, we have to sleep during daylight. It means that we actually need to be busy during daylight and not busy during um, nighttime, yeah, and and to understand that you know this what the Germans call the Zitgeber, you know, it's the night and day. The Germans always have great words. They do. A bit like the <laughs> like, like the old Latin, you know, they're, they're, they're great words, good to use in, in all sorts of ways. But but this process of then saying to yourself, so during the day, when I'm most active, when I've got most of the core, and being what what can I do? And may, maybe that is something where you you have an activity you do, or you really do need to close your eyes and just have a nap, no longer than thirty minutes, or your brain will misinterpret it, um, and 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 regain the energy because that's what you want. Mm. See, mindfulness is about energy. Yeah. Yeah. It brings you know you you you're sort of pedalling too hard over there. Come back, you know. Get off the pedals for a minute. Let the bike just run along. And, and and then when you need to start pedaling again, you'll have the energy to do it. Yeah, I love it. It's so great. If we only remember one thing from this conversation, one thing about mindfulness, what sh- what's the main takeaway for you? That um, um, using breathing, using breath, is the, the most obvious and the easiest way to get into your system to adjust and and the whole idea of mindfulness the whole idea of meditation is to actually stop yourself so that you can let the subconscious systems reset dr stan rodsky is the author of the neuroscience of mindfulness i will pop all the links to stan's work and the coloring books and the sleep sounds in the show notes so that you can check them out and where to find more about stan's work because this is really cool and as he said he's got a new book out which is all about the neuroscience of excellent sleep which i know is a hot topic for you guys so definitely go and check that out thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it if you're new here please subscribe so you don't miss an episode we would love to have you on board i'm ed Starr, and i sincerely hope that's helpful